This podcast is brought to you by Blackbee Ministries International. To find out more, visit blackbee.org. Welcome to the Richard Blackaby Leadership Podcast. My name is Sam, and I'm your host, and I'm joined by the book reading Dr. Richard Blackaby. Good <laughs> always good to be with you, Sam. It's always nice to grab these uh, when you're in town. You've been uh, here, there, and everywhere. Mostly lately. there, yeah. <laughs> Not a lot here, <laughs> yeah. but uh, it's good to have you here for these few minutes before you dash off to the next, yeah, uh, the I'm, next I'm conference. I'm speaking in or... three different states next week. Uh, yeah, well, you know. So, yeah. You're you're in charge of your own schedule, so uh, yeah. no one to blame, blame me. Blame no me. one to blame but yourself. <laughs> we won't be doing a podcast on that one. <laughs> yeah, blame yourself. Yeah. Uh, well, this week we're going to uh, look at a book. We do these uh, leadership book reviews, and this one uh, it's called "Quiet" by Susan Cain, and it's uh, you know on the surface it may not seem like a uh, a leadership book. Uh, it may not seem like it pertains to leadership because it's talking about the power of introverts. But in fact, uh, I think it has everything to do uh, with leadership. And once you really start digging into it, it's uh, a very powerful book. So um, you just recently read this. So why don't you kick us off here? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I found this fascinating. And as you kind of alluded to, I, I think leaders, if you're going to be effective, you've got to know how to lead people who aren't like you. Right. It's easy to lead people that you know how they're wired and you know how they are motivated and uh, you know which strings to pull. Uh, but what about someone that what would work for you to motivate you is the has the exact opposite effect on others. Yeah. Uh, and the, the, I like the uh, subtitle of this book, The Power of Introverts in a World That Can't Stop Talking. <laughs> and uh, and she, she is an introvert and she says a number of things that... Uh, I found very fascinating. And I would just say, um, from my own perspective, when I've, when I've taken some personality tests, like I think the Myers-Briggs or some of those uh, and, and others, they typically where I've kind of come out is about right in the middle. Uh, and But, but if, you, if you score in the middle, they call you an extrovert. And mm. so there's some things that... Uh, that I, I think I can do pretty well as an extrovert. I can be out there talking to people for an hour after my conference is over and everything. But yeah. But then when I get back, uh, but at the same time, uh, you know, like like right now, I'm in a schedule where I'm just around people nonstop all the time. Uh, but at the same time, I, I could spend a whole week in a cabin and just write and read and just be in you know yeah. heaven. And so, uh, so I can go either way. And but I, but I did really want to read a book like this uh, because I I feel like there's a lot of misunderstandings about introverts and mm -hmm. most of the staff at Blackbeard Ministries, including <laughs> yourself, would, would yeah. be a, an introvert. Uh, my son Daniel certainly is. Uh, Stephen that we've hired is, is as well. So, uh, you know, I, I want to know how, I don't want to just, I, what, what typically has happened in a lot of, uh, of organizations is what what Kane will say is that most organizations are probably typically led by an extrovert, an out there kind of person, visionary, charismatic yeah. kind of leader, um, and and their uh, their approach typically is to try to encourage introverts to just try to be more extroverted, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, like and uh, and so she addresses that and shows how that's not the approach you need to take with people. Uh, yeah. It, it's not like introverts are somehow inferior. Uh, and there's just a lot of misunderstandings. In fact, she'll say, 
actually, if you try to make an organization filled with extroverts, it's going to be in great danger. There's mm -hmm. all kinds of blind spots uh, that they'll be susceptible to. They, you need your introverts, and you need to be an organization that brings out the best, both in extroverts and introverts. And so uh, she says a number of things I found very interesting. Uh, and and one thing she says is that I mean, there, there's a lot of misunderstandings about what makes someone an introvert. And, you know, my mother is an off-the-chart extrovert, and she pretty well had the classic kind of view of introverts. Yeah. She would just say, well, I'm an extrovert because I just like people, <laughs> implying, well, introverts just don't like people. You know, she, my mom would say, I just love talking to people. I just love being around people. But, uh, and so that implies if you're an introvert and you'd rather just read a book alone in the evening in front of your fireplace. Which that, may be true. <laughs> that but. You, yeah. Uh, but it, it actually has nothing to do with, with liking people. Uh, introverts like people too. They just, but they, for instance. Just in smaller doses. Yeah. They might, <laughs> they might like spending an evening with their spouse or, you know, the, the, their spouse and them quietly reading together in front of a fireplace. But or a select group of friends. Uh, yeah. Some introverts have three close friends and they spend quality time with each other, but they don't want to waste their time necessarily with a bunch of shallow talk with a bunch of strangers. Yeah. Whereas an extrovert, like my mother, is just thrilled to meet someone on an airplane and talk their ears off the whole way, knowing they'll never see each other again. But whereas an introvert, it's kind of like, why would I waste my time doing that? I, I've got a good book to read and... And if we're just going to talk about shallow things, I'd just as soon read my book. So uh, so one of the misconceptions is just, uh, you know, extroverts like people, introverts don't like people. And there's been various ways that people have uh, tried to explain why some people are introverted and, and so on or extroverted. And one way, and I, I think this has, you know, some validity for sure, is some people have described it in terms of just energy uh, that extroverts get they gain energy by being around people mm -hmm. and they get worked up and they get excited and uh, whereas introverts lose energy from being around people and so it's not that they can't be around people it's not even that they don't like people but there there's a a, a, a slow drain taking place the whole time and at a certain point an extrovert kind of hates to leave the party because that's where all the action is. And an introvert is anxious to finally leave the party because they've got nothing left. The tank's empty. Right. Uh, and so again, it has nothing to do with, uh, you know, liking people. Uh, and there, there's several studies that came, uh, came uh, cited that I thought were very, very interesting. There's one study by Jerome Kagan, and he actually did studies of four-month-olds and so, babe, I mean, basically babies, four months old, he would do a series of tests on them and could predict if they were going to be an introvert or extrovert. Mm. And it was quite fascinating. And uh, what he would do is he would put a whole series of, of very sensory kinds of experiences around the baby. It might be a, a, like a balloon popping or cla hands clapping or uh, there, there could be visual things um, that would be very bright and, and in their face. And, and even the taste, they might put like the taste, a strong taste of like lemon or something on their tongue. And then they'd watch and, and uh, maybe 40% of the babies would react very strongly. They'd be agitated and crying and unhappy and they didn't like all the stuff being done around them. 
And another 40% or so would just be pretty well laid back, like whatever, you know, whatevs. Like, <laughs> oh, you put lemon on my tongue, or, you know, yeah. or there's a, some guy dressed as a clown in my face right now, like no big deal. And so based on that, he could tell if someone's going to be an introvert or not. And, you know, you, you might think, well, it's the people that are, uh, you know, just really chilled out and they don't seem to care about what's happening that would be introverts, but it was actually the opposite. The introverts were the babies that that were very agitated by all the sensory data. Very sensitive that was to what's happening around them. Yeah, yeah, and exactly, and so they they actually were far more alert to what they were seeing and smelling and hearing and so on, tasting. And because, because of that, and, and so they've done lots of brain tests and so on to show that introverts tend to be far more sensory aware. And, and, and because of that, um, it's, it's more exhausting to them. If you're, if you're in a room, maybe if you're going to have to do public speaking and you, you're picking up on all the little movements going on and people you know, looking down at their phone or that person getting up and going out maybe to use the bathroom or maybe just to leave and you're wondering, you're, you're noticing all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are looking down. Are, are they looking at their cell phone or are they thinking? And you're, Whereas they said an extrovert often is just less aware of all those kinds. It's not that you don't notice it ent- entirely, but you're just not as alert to that. Right. And so, and, and every sound, uh, an extrovert perhaps, there's, there could be rustling papers and a, a cough and a sneeze and, and they're not, it doesn't disturb them as much. It doesn't grab yeah. hold of their senses like it does an introvert. Well, that makes me think of like the workplace where there's this fad for a while of like these open planned office yeah. spaces. And I think that's a sort of an introvert's worst nightmare. It's yeah. like having to be in this big yeah. bullpen of an area and like we're all just working together and isn't this fun. And you can see now that that was very much geared towards extroverts. Yeah, for And sure. I think there's been a, a kind of a rollback of a lot of that because they realize that one, it's not as productive yeah. to have everybody sort of always engaging with everyone else. But but two, I think there's a good chance half your staff is introverted yeah. or so. And so, you know, those folks are just not living their best and performing their best if they're having to be surrounded by a bunch of noise. And yeah, you know, and we're and and, and, and Sam, you're going to get us going down all kinds of rabbit trails. Oh, here, I know. But, this is this. But this, uh, this, you're <laughs> but but you're right. And in, in fact, actually, for a number of years, uh, through certainly the the 90s and 2000s uh that all the architecture for so many office buildings was open space you 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 did away with everybody having a private office Mm -hmm. and of course it was designed for collaboration and if you can just walk along and see people that you can ask questions and you know cultivate ideas and so on that that was considered a really great thing but but now that that trend is going away in part because you're right. It was an extrovert's paradise, uh, but introverts were having a lot of difficulty concentrating, focusing, because because yeah. they were constantly hearing all the chatter and the noise and so on. And uh, and she said, Kane says in her book that the whole concept of multitasking is really a myth. That you the brain really does one thing. I mean, you, there's stuff going on, maybe you know subliminally and and deep down but as far as constructive thinking you're yeah. you're basically doing one thing at a time and so to to think that you can be having all these conversations going on and and st- input coming in 
at, at, from all directions is it, it actually is the worst thing for constructive yeah. deep thinking. Well, it just reminds me of like when, when you're in an airport and you're trying to read and there's somebody having a conversation nearby. I don't know if yeah. that's a introvert extrovert thing, but it's just impossible to read if I yeah. can hear somebody else's somebody yeah. else talking nearby. Yeah. Like you just can't like, I but just like can't I know people focus. that will go like to Starbucks to have a quiet time and it's like, well, that, what what part of quiet don't you understand? <laughs> like that's just not and not and even if you could put headphones yeah. on, you're seeing movement and stuff's happening. But if you've ever wondered how to ask the right questions to move people onto God's agenda, then consider attending the Spiritual Leadership Coaching Workshop May second through fourth in the Atlanta area. Not only is there great teaching at this workshop, but you will also be able to practice what you learn. Use code EARLYBIRD at checkout for a special discount. To find out more and to register, visit blackabycoaching.org/workshop. Links will be in the show notes. But anyway, the, the so there's just a lot to that. So the whole idea of stimulation. Uh, means that, for instance, uh, you, you know, sometimes an introvert, she says there's a difference between being shy and being introverted. She says shyness can be something that you need to overcome. Yeah. But introversion, your your brain is wired that way. Right. You, you don't really overcome being an introvert. She says you, you can learn coping skills, but you, you yeah. never, it never gets easier, she said. And, uh, and I, I thought that was interesting because no matter how many times you've done it, you're you're still picking up all the same sensory data and uh, distractions. And one of the things she said as well, along with that, was that uh, for introverts, for instance, uh, she she told the story of one person that if she had to make a presentation like every two weeks or something, she would develop a presentation. She'd work it over. She'd rehearse it numerous times. She'd have a manuscript. And when she got up there, she knew her material well, and she could do it. She didn't enjoy it, but she could do it. Uh, but then other times, her colleagues might just call on her basically spontaneously and just say, hey, could you could you get up and just explain this to everybody? And that was always horrific to them. And, and, and part of that was that they said that an introvert, because of the way their brain is wired, uh, they, they're so distracted when they're standing up in front of an audience, they're so distracted by everything else going on that they can't formulate, they can't concentrate just to get their thoughts together. Whereas a, whereas an extrovert just sort of naturally is tuning stuff out. It's just yeah. not as sensory to them. So they can, they can be thinking on their feet. Whereas an introvert is, can't help but notice what people are doing and saying and the noises and that, that doesn't allow them enough concentration to put their thoughts together so it's she said again it's not so much that you're even just afraid to be in front of people it's that you just don't think clearly when you're seeing all the other distractions if you've had time to put your talk together and you have a manuscript and you've really rehearsed what you want to say well then you can you can do it yeah um and and something else she said that was interesting is just uh well another thing with the brain, there's another scientific study that shows that extroverts, there's a part of our brain that, that craves reward. Yeah. And they said that uh, gamblers have a real strong uh, sense of this, and it drives them to take great risks because they, they're really wanting that reward. Uh, whereas they said introverts tend to not be nearly as strong at that. Mm-hmm. And so they don't they don't care so much about the reward. So they're they're much more cautious. And whereas extroverts tend to be much more risk takers, mm. uh, which which sometimes you need a risk taker. You know, you need well, people to sense face the danger. You know, like in the in the business world and 
certainly entrepreneurship and, and that sort of thing oftentimes it's, it's risky. Yeah. And so I think you, you, you tend to see a lot more extroverts in that space. Not, to, not to say that introverts can't be, but right. um, I, I think it probably leans towards extroverts uh, yeah. for well, she, in the business she, world at least. Yeah. And she says a real interesting thing back in the 2008 uh, bubble with the, you know, the, all the mortgage um, collapse and everything mm-hmm. uh, was that it, that whole in, industry was basically completely dominated by extroverts risk takers and for years their risks had paid off i mean the market was very friendly toward risk takers and so they became very emboldened but but uh, she's kane says that introverts that would would tend to be more conservative and would would be more alert to danger signals were were being poo-pooed as kind of you're just a worry wart, you know. Look yeah. at, I mean, we've had years of success here. Like, who needs a naysayer? Be a team player here, you know. Don't be so negative. Um, but and then, of course, uh, there was a, a catastrophe took place, and a lot of money was lost. And and she kind of cites some people that were saying, like, the bubble's going to burst. There's all kinds of warning signs, but nobody was listening. And and so she would say, on the one hand, I think two really important things. One is that for extra for introverts they tend to have some really insightful things that they notice but they'll also agonize about speaking up and mm-hmm. they'll, they'll have a hard time just in a room full of extroverts all talking at once an introvert who might have the most important thing to say in the room is agonizing about whether she should interrupt everybody else and draw attention to themselves and uh, and so she says that they really need to do that and you know it's funny like uh, even between my two kids, uh, Mike and Daniel, Mike would definitely be more on the extrovert side and Daniel very much on the introvert side. And so if we're in a you know, conference call or something, Mike will, will talk away and he's just very comfortable doing that. And he's got lots of good things to say. But I've just kind of learned that I'll, I may need to prompt Daniel a little bit and and I'll, I'll just say, well, Daniel, we haven't heard from you yet. And uh, and invariably, he'll have some really insightful things to say. And it's like, well, we need to get that on the table. like yeah. that. And, and I was talking to Daniel about that and just saying, Daniel, you always have good stuff to say. Why is it that, you know, you'll, you'll let your brother have several rounds of talk and meet several rounds and then before you kind of get in the game? And, you know, he had an interesting comment. He said, well... Mike might tend to think more out loud. He's as he's talking, he's thinking it through. Whereas he said, "I'm doing the same thinking process. I'm just doing it inside my head." Yeah. And eventually, you know, I'll come to a, a conclusion just like he did. But mm-hmm. you kind of hear more of the, his process than you hear mine. But, but, but I'll tell you, as a leader, I've just learned to value uh, introverts and. And so as a leader, it's, you know, I mean, I I hope that they will speak up, but at the same time as a leader, I've got to also do things to try to draw it out from them. I've got to, if if you've got this, anyone who's ever even taught a a class and asked questions knows that the extroverts are going to immediately raise their hand and answer the questions. But there are times when you may just have to create uh, an environment you hate to just call on introvert, just cold turkey, but <laughs> yeah. but just you know, but in find ways of of encouraging the the quiet ones to speak. You know, there was an interesting kind of experience years ago when I was a seminary president. We we started having online classes and where people would you know write in 
uh, answers and, and chat rooms and so on. And, and a lot of my professors were all against it. They just said nothing can take the place of an in-class lecture and, and, you know, Q and A and so on. And, um, and you know, I, I'm one who does prefer in-class stuff too, but one thing we discovered was that the class discussions, the, the chats became way more insightful when we did it online because in a classroom, the extroverts just talked a lot, whether they had anything to say or not. And they, right. they might've spoken for the third time and they haven't added anything to what they said the first time, but they just, they, they, they're so into it and they want to talk some more about it. Uh, but when you had a chat room where everybody was obligated to contribute, then all of a sudden these introverts who just would always remain silent in a real classroom are now typing in answers that are very insightful, very uh, in-depth. And uh, and you realize, wow, the discussion, if you can find a uh, a forum where introverts feel free to contribute, you, you get a much deeper discussion than mm-hmm. if you just have the extroverts doing all the talking in and in a normal classroom. Yeah. And, and I think as a leader, you've got to figure out ways to create environments where the introverts feel perfectly comfortable to, to, to contribute as well. And, uh, and that means that, you know, you may have to prod them differently or find different uh, venues. Uh, you know, interestingly for pastors, um, um, there's a, a place in, in her book where she talks about the fact that that the evangelical church is largely an extroverted church. Yeah, yeah. And it's all about, you know, singing and being out there and stand up and have your hands raised and, um, and, and let's have a sharing time and let's all just, you'll stand up and just share what God's doing in your life. And, uh, and a lot of things where that's very expressive in public places that an expert would just love, you know, but, yeah. But sometimes an introvert, it's like very, very uncomfortable. And, uh, you know, it's, they're, they're just, uh, I, I had, I literally had a pastor last week. I was uh, speaking to a bunch of pastors. We were talking about uh, trying to help your people learn how to pray in a, in a corporate setting. And, um, and he was saying, uh, you know, I've got some people that if I ask them to pray, they really want to, to kind of write their prayers out ahead of time and, 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 and bring a manuscript with them. And he was saying, uh, you know, should I let them do that? I mean, should I just push them to say, no, you're, this is a conversation with God. You should just, you should just stand up and talk to God. But, and, and having just read this book, I said, well, you know, you may have, you will have some introverts in the room. Now an extrovert, you call on them cold Turkey. Would you get up and lead us in prayer, brother? Yeah. And they can just get up and just, they'll, you know, babble on about something, you know, but they'll use lots of words, Yeah. you know, uh, but yeah, I, I said, but maybe, but, but for an introvert who, who's suddenly having to think on the spot, unprepared in front of a whole bunch of people, uh, it could be a disaster for yeah. an introvert. And so, but, but actually if you let them think about what it is they really want to say to God on behalf of their church, uh, they actually, if they could write that down and, and kind of calm their nerves, then they might actually uh, have a, a beautiful prayer that would edify everybody who heard it. And I would suggest that uh, I think if anyone who's praying in a corporate setting, if they would write it down, <laughs> yeah. I think yeah. uh, I think that would really elevate uh, a church's prayer life if anyone who had to pray had to write it down first. Because I think we realize if we have to do that exercise, 
that a lot of what we say in praying is actually just kind of words and fillers yeah. and just a bunch of nonsense that doesn't really mean anything because you're trying to think on the fly. Yeah. And I would highly recommend that. Yeah. That and I practice. think there's a way where you don't necessarily read it in a stiff wooden kind of sure. way. Then that, that sounds kind of artificial, but, but if you, if you feel comfortable and, and there's some people who can read what they've written, but they, but they read it in a way that it's, sounds yeah authentic yeah. it's yeah. it's written the way that they would talk or whatever you know one other thing just to say about that and i, I knew we kind of we we wouldn't have enough time this is a great book that has a lot of yeah studies and things but uh, one other thing they she said i thought was uh was important as well is that uh, she said you know it's not like introverts can't make themselves do what they have to do and she cites examples of a guy that was for instance the lead salesman in a very major company where he literally would go door to door and talk to strangers. Uh, and yet he's a, a very, very uh, pronounced introvert, but he's the lead salesman of his whole company, uh, which just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And another prof a professor, a college professor that was the most popular professor, won awards for like the best professor in America kind of thing. But again, a, a very, very strong introvert. And he, he, there's stories where when he would be an invited uh, lecturer at a school somewhere, and he, that he would give this spellbinding lecture and have everybody on their feet applauding at the end. And then there might be a 30-minute break until his next uh, presentation. And he'd end up going into a cubicle in the men's room somewhere and just hide out because he just needed just to get away from people and yeah. just charge up again. And you'd say, well, is he an in? I mean, how could a guy be that good in front of, of an audience if he's so introverted? But what she says is, you know, the, the one way that introverts can kind of overcome the, their wiring is if they really believe in what they're doing. And yeah. if they really believe in, you know, this product or this service, maybe they're doing something, you might be a pastor and you're trying to, you're, you're introverted, but you know, you believe firmly in the, in the gospel and the power to set people free. And so you, you will get on that platform and you will preach and teach. Um, and, uh, and, and that's, you know, that's, you'll, you'll do it. You'll be exhausted afterward, but you believe so much in your calling and so on. And and so for an introvert, you, if you're going to be doing something that in, involves being out front, you, you got to find something that you actually believe in. If you're, if right. you hate your job, then that's just going to put you over the top hating it. Uh, and one last study that was interesting, she, they did a study where they, they, they filmed people having one-on-one -on -one conversations. And what was interesting is that some of the conversations were between two introverts somewhere between two extroverts, and then some were an introvert and an extrovert talking to each other. And it's very fascinating. They, they filmed it, and then they had people observing it and, and evaluating it afterward. And, what, and then they would ask, then they interviewed the people in the conversation, said, how did, you know, how did you enjoy your conversation, so on. The interesting thing was that the extroverts talking to one another, of course, just hit the ground running. We're just chatter, chatter, chatter the whole time laughing and and talking nonstop and but, but when they evaluated it afterward they they saw that the conversation stayed pretty shallow and, and you know they talked about shallow things but they chatted away and uh enthusiastically but it ne they never went very deep and then the introverts uh did go deep and they they, they talked as well but they they kind of 
cut through all the weather talk and other things. And they got into important stuff to them and, and sharing honest things and struggles. And it was a meaningful conversation. Uh, and so they both enjoyed that. But but then they, the, the people where they had an introvert and an extrovert together, they actually really enjoyed their conversations. And kind of surprising. It's like, well, you've mm-hmm. got two people that are opposite. You know, how could they enjoy that the same conversation? But the introvert said, yeah, it was really easy to talk to them. <laughs> I yeah. just, just, I just mostly a, listened, you yeah, know, and asked ask some go. questions and they they took off. And uh, whereas the extrovert said, you know, I found them very interesting and they were very insightful and they asked really interesting questions. And so they actually really enjoyed that. And what that said to me, of course, as we've seen before, is you, you need to surround yourself with people that are different than you. And yeah. certainly on a leadership team, uh, you need to have both uh, kinds of people there. Um, Kane says very adamantly that in some of these companies, if they'd had some more ex- or introverts who uh, were willing to speak up, uh, it, it could have saved companies from disaster. All these overconfident, uh, risk-taking uh, extroverts that were ready to charge ahead and all the introverts who saw the cliff just up ahead weren't saying anything. Uh, and so that it just taught me don't don't get after your introverts and say well try why don't you just try liking people more? <laughs> yeah, have, have you thought about being more extroverted? <laughs> yeah. uh, that's not helpful. No, um, no, and it's not that they're just choosing to be that way. That there's all kinds of medical scientific evidence to say their brain has wired them. Their, their all the wiring has made them function that way. They, they, they can't just decide one day, oh, okay, I'm just going to not be afraid to speak in public anymore. Yeah. Uh, that's craziness. Yeah. Uh, and so if you're a wise leader, you'll, you'll help people find coping skills if they need to, but you'll also realize, well, maybe there's another way. Do they all have to get up on stage and give a report? Could, could it be a written one? Could it be something that she videos ahead of time and we just play it uh, in a report? I mean, I think we're going to have to just learn how to bring the best out of our people. And, yeah. and that, that means you don't just do everything that suits extroverts. Yeah. Uh, and, and if you are a leader, which if may well mean that you're an extrovert, um, then, then talk with introverts and don't, don't immediately just say, you know, well, well, it's, I, I find that easy. Like, well, what's your problem? Rather just know that for some people, their wiring makes it a problem. So be a good leader, figure out how to bring the best out yeah. of them, uh, and, and let them do what helps them to thrive. And, and so whether it's introverts or other things, uh, I think great leaders take some time just to learn from people who are different and then use that uh, to to bring new strengths to the table that they wouldn't have had otherwise. Yeah, well, it's a fascinating read, and I think uh, in a time that values diversity, uh, I think there's oftentimes nothing more diverse than an introvert and an extrovert, yeah. and so uh, just taking the time to understand both sides of that, regardless of which side you're on. And uh, as always, we'll leave links to uh, Susan Cain's book in the show notes, Quiet, and uh, until next time. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If this is something you enjoyed, it really makes a difference if you leave a review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We always love hearing from our listeners. So email us at podcast at blackme.org.